And uh, you might have heard that passage read by Finn and thought, ooh, gotcha, Mr. Tyndall. See, God isn't loving and forgiving. Uh, he's a slaughterer. He's a judge. This Christianity thing you speak about is a scam. You might have thought that I would have been wise to skip over this passage uh, and gone for a nicer, rosier one. You might think that I'd be uh, embarrassed by this passage. But I'm actually not. In fact, I am comforted by these words. Last week, we saw that James's calls to grieve and to mourn were actually comforts. They were comforts because that was the only way for us to truly see our need for God's amazing grace. And today's passage, however harsh it might sound, is a comfort too, because it reminds us that only God can fix this mess of a planet. Only God can end injustice. In this passage, James has uh, rich thugs in his sights. Yet I don't think they would have ever been expected to have actually heard these words from James. Remember that James was writing to Christians, to the church, and at the time that James wrote, the church was largely made up of the poor and the powerless. And so this passage is actually meant to be a comfort to Christians who might be suffering at the hands of rich thugs or who simply mourn the injustices of the rich. James describes in detail uh, the horrible atrocities of those who ignore Jesus' words to love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. In verse 1 he says, Come now, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Now notice that James doesn't add in there, unless you turn back to God and be saved. And that's because, like I said, this message isn't for them. This message is for the poor, for the oppressed, those who are suffering at the hands of the rich. And so James speaks in no uncertain terms about the misery uh, that faces those who live in this corrupt way. Uh, in verses 2 to 3, he speaks of the wealth of the rich not enduring. The wealth rots, it corrodes, it is moth-eaten. And James says that it will testify against the rich and eat their flesh like fire. You might have heard the phrase, uh, burning a hole in my pocket, which usually refers to the desire of someone to spend the cash that is in their pocket. But here, the wealth that the rich have stored up for themselves is corrosively burning into their soul. And that's because money is not made for keeping, but for using for spending wisely on our needs and for spending generously on the needs of others. But that's not what the rich in this passage have been doing. They've been storing up treasure, James says in verse 3. Treasure that is not theirs, but it's the money that they owe their workers. See in verse 4 it says, Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out. And the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Now, not paying someone for uh, mowing your lawn is rough, which I'm sure Mr. Begg can agree with. Uh, Beggy Garden Care, that all your gardening needs, you can contact him any day of the week. But uh, to run an entire harvest, 
year in, year out. Those of you who harvest know how big a job it is. To do that year in, year out and not pay your workers, well, that is basically slavery. It is a cruel injustice that is just so blatantly, obviously wrong. And blatantly, obviously still happening today. According to IJM, which is the International Justice Mission, there are more than 40 million people in slavery today. We call it human trafficking today, but it's slavery. 40 million people. That is more than any time in human history. One in four slaves are children. That is 10 million. And slavery generates over 150 billion US dollars each year. This is stark, blatant, obvious profiting from exploiting and often murdering the weak and vulnerable. And these numbers cry out for justice. And that's why James uses the language of calling out the crooks. He says phrases like, witness against you. Look, the pay that you withheld cries out. The outcry has reached the Lord. James is offering comfort to the poor and the oppressed here. Their pain and their injustice is obvious. And God has heard. And God will do something about it. In fact, James is kind of saying that God is already doing something about it. Because the rich's greedy hoarding is already singling them out. The rich get richer. In, James, uh, in verse 5, James describes how the rich appear. He says, You have lived luxuriously on the earth and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. It's interesting in that verse that James singles out the heart of the rich as being fattened. He's not talking about clogged arteries but the heart as the centre of our desire. And the hearts of the rich, well, they desire that, uh, that hedonism we spoke about a few weeks ago, that their hearts are swollen by pure selfish consumption at the expense of anyone else, at the expense of 40 million people a year. So here is how God's judgment is already being worked out in the lives of these rich oppressors. Their hearts are being fattened by their selfish desire. And they lead themselves into such obvious, excessive cruelty and greed that their wealth corrodes their lives, that their hearts are curved in on themselves, leaving them condemned now and, and to face judgment later. And that's why this passage is a comfort to me. Because the injustice in this world is astronomical. But God's justice is bigger and more certain. And he can do what you or I could never hope to do. I mean, there are 40 million slaves in the world and we can't even fix simple arguments in the playground. But God can. Because he sees the heart. And he will expose the hearts of those who've acted unjustly. And that's why I'm not embarrassed about bits of the Bible that speak about God's judgment. Because they're actually pledges from a loving God to an oppressed world that he is coming to bring the justice that we can't. The justice that Jesus felt at the cross that, that crushed his body unto death. The justice that pumped his body back to life again. And the justice that Jesus will display when he returns here in his body. So that's the comfort that God's judgment brings for the future. But it's also a comfort now. 
Because we don't have to despair about the injustice in our world, feeling like we can't make a difference and just thinking, what's the point? The problem is too big. I mean, do I think that if we fill every single one of these tubs to the brim for Anglicare that we will end poverty in Wagga? Of course not. Will we need to do it again next Christmas? Of course we will. See, Jesus himself said that this side of heaven, we will always have the poor with us. But because I know that only God will end injustice, well, then I'm freed now to act justly, to love mercy, without having to despair at how insurmountable the task might be. See, because we can be judged as free in Jesus, we are freed not to judge our world, but to serve it freely, knowing that justice is coming. So please give freely this Christmas. Please do justice. And please bring comfort to those in need.